Well, ladies, gentlemen, cats, dogs, aliens, and everyone else, welcome to a Tuesday edition of the MSB Initiative Live. It is April 26th. I, I swear, I was like a blink of an eye, and I said, hey, we're already in April, and now we're almost in May. So the year is just rocketing by, and uh, frankly, the, the news doesn't stop. Technology surely doesn't. And uh, we've got plenty to talk about. But before we get into all of that, <clears throat> some housekeeping, as we always like to do. So let me just go ahead and share my screen, and we'll do that right now. So mspinitiative.com, uh, that's where you go to find all things tied to what we do here. Uh, under sessions, you will find today's session and every other session we've ever done in podcast and video format. Pick what is you know, easier for you. I know some people love driving and listening. I surely would suggest not watching and listening, but I digress. Uh, we'll have our giveaways online later on, uh, in the, I think, in a few weeks from now. So circle back and we'll get, you know, get that going. Basically, just throw your name into a hat and you may win a prize, and that would be great. Uh, our, we have three confirmed upcoming community block parties, although they're not until the back end of the year, which at this rate will be at sooner than you think. Uh, so stay tuned on those announcements. We'll, we'll list all three shortly. And then lastly, and this is where I was just at last week, is the Channel Strong Tour. Um, so the next, the last one was, we just wrapped up. The next one is going to be in, uh, just pop up here, Chicago, Grand Rapids, Indianapolis, Lexington, and Nashville in the middle of May. And if you happen to be, in the Northeast, we're, we're doing the first part of the Northeast in June, right behind it. Uh, so that's like Virginia, Maryland, Jersey, Philly. So if you happen to be in any one of those areas, uh, click on uh, Channel Strong. Uh, if you're an MSP, register uh, or you know, put throw your hand up in this form, and we'll get you the, the final registration link to, uh, to jump on board. So um, it was really fun last week to be on the road with the team and uh, plenty of stories. I mean, there's no... There's no dull moment. Trust me. Uh, if anything, we have more stories than we probably couldn't share than we could. But eh, I digress. Um, today we have Eric and Christina from Ignite uh, kind of co-hosting with us. Um, lots of things have happened, guys, since you guys were last on. I'm sure you know probably the first thing that's going to come out of my mouth in terms of things to talk about. But um, appreciate you know, having you guys on. I mean, I see you guys have been on the road quite a bit, so I'd love to hear before we get too deep into the weeds, you know, how, how are things? How, how's the road feeling? And does it feel like 2019 all over again? Definitely. I like being on the road. I think um, being face-to-face -face with everybody, everybody being excited, like the networking is not the same online, obviously. Um, so it's been, for me, it's been a pleasure. Obviously, it took some time to get used to bringing the extra mass and the extra, all those things that you needed to be on the road. But now I think we're pros. How, how Hi, do you, Eric. <laughs> how, how do you feel about, I mean, as, as frequent travelers as you are, I'll throw my hat in the ring. Um, feels nice. No mass. Yeah. Yes. Really? Next week will be my first trip on a plane without one in, you know, forever. So. Yes. Yeah. It's like, we'll be it's able like, to breathe. <laughs> I, I know it's been said a billion times, but I feel like we're finally back to normal. Now yeah, the shows feel that, that way. Yeah. The, the yeah. shows really 
have lately taken on more of that feel from 2018, 2019. Um, and I, so I think we are, we're really seeing it come back to normal. That's awesome. I'm happy to hear that we're all kind of feeling the same things and, uh, you know, like we, you know, <clears throat> we did the, the uh, bus tour last week through Western PA and, um, and uh, Ohio. And yeah, I mean, lots of people coming out, lots of people like, you know, no longer afraid to, uh, to go out. And quite frankly, for the people that, you know, are like, Hey, you know, I just got so used to the webinar thing and I just don't see a need to go out to an event. We got some of those people that came out cause it was so close, right. They could just come out in their backyard. Uh, but yeah, you know, the conversations continue to shift towards, you know, Hey, businesses murky towards, Hey, things are going, things are going pretty well. Uh, and you know, just weird conversations pop up just because, you know, the guys and I and gals in it world are weird anyway. Uh, but, uh, it was nice. It's, you know, nice to continue to see that people are, uh, going, going crazy, but, you know, let's, let's get on to some of the stuff that they're talking about. And this one I'm sure is the first thing, um, you know, that, that comes to mind and let's be fair. Um, you know, we had big Fred showing up with big red at, uh, in, you know, in Nashville last week, talking about the Caseo. Caseo, Caseo Dado merger acquisition, whatever you want to call it, and another article this morning about, hey, you know, here's Fred again. We're 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 not looking to blow things up. We're looking to, we're looking to grow. This was a growth thing. Um, I know this is a, a multi-threaded conversation. I, I will, you know, uh, do something a little bit different, guys. I'm going to allow our crowd to chime in. Should they? Should they feel to pop in and want to talk some more? Uh, you'll all be muted by default. And if you want to raise your hand, uh, you just unmute. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like a radio show, guys. Don't forget, uh, this is recorded. So, you know, if you don't want something crazy out there, on, you know, for the internet to, to, to find you for forever and ever to come, then, you know, be mindful. But uh, there it is. Um, Eric, Christina, let's hear it. What, what are your thoughts on this? So, you know, there's so much to unwrap here and, and there's, there's been so much already said. Um, I think it's, you know, I usually take a wait and see attitude on these things. Um, obviously, like many, you know, companies in, in this space, you know, have had some type of security incident. None of them probably publicized quite as much as the Kaseya incident, but you know, on one hand, you can see, you know, that this is a growth move. Obviously, uh, you know, combined, this takes them from uh, what? By number of employees, number three to number one um, instantly as soon as this goes through. Um, by the way, I do like, you know, the the Caseo idea. You know, that was that was brilliant there. I, the I see that. I kind of had a Freudian slip and all of a sudden the new name came out. I, hey, you know, works for me. There you go. But, See that I should be a marketing guru or something. You know, it's, there's a lot that's interesting about this. And, and the one that I'll kind of point to a little bit and, and say that there's, I, I don't have an answer for it, but it's going to be interesting to watch is the combination of Datto and Kaseya and their competing products, right? Uh, because I've lived through that. I've lived through the combination of what used to be Enable and Logic Now and several competing products uh, coming together and deciding which ones live and which ones don't, or 
you know, in some cases where both of them live on, because in that case, you know, obviously you still have N Central and you have what's now called Enable RMM, used to be GFI Max and then was Logic Now. And, and there literally are two different parts of the market that those two RMM tools address. And, and you can't address the entire market unless you have both. And, and so in some cases, it's going to make sense. And I don't think that um, any of us are probably, you know, too far into this to make any predictions as to exactly what's going to happen with the products uh, between Kasey and Datto. Interesting because I, I didn't, I almost forgot about all of that. And you actually live through what this could be, right? Like, Correct. hey, you know, or is one product going to be collapsed into another? Which one lives? Which one goes? Is support going to still work? Is it going to be worse or better? Maybe, you know, like all these questions come out. And I mean, and what is now Enable, right? You know, the, the company Enable is many, many acquired pieces that were jammed together. Correct. And I think, I, I, you know, in my opinion, it's actually working out pretty well for them. Yeah. I mean, we're going like, could you just give us like a 30 second history? Because I don't think people realize all of those pieces, Eric. <laughs> wow. Okay. So I don't think you can fit that into 30 seconds. All right. Make, um, it, make it a couple, like just paint the picture for me. So you basically had two companies in the space, right? You had Enable and you had what was originally Hound Dog. Hound Dog was rebranded as GFI Max and then rebranded again as Logic Now. Uh, at some point, uh, SolarWinds bought Enable and then later on bought Logic Now. And so you had, you know, Enable and Logic Now, both with RMM tools, with backup, with, uh, you know, what I'll call probably PSA Lite or, or simple help desk ticketing systems and, you know, several other products as well, all, you know, coming together as well as support organizations and, and things like that. And I think that they actually did a really good job of combining them, which I, it's a monumental task, you know, from the inside. Uh, it's just, you're taking so many pieces and you have so many great people on both sides that you want to get the best of both worlds. And, and yes, sometimes that means like with, uh, service desk and I forget what the uh, what the product was on the enable side but you know we had to choose between the two of those because those were very much alike they didn't address two separate audiences in the space they were literally duplicates so you know one had to go um, obviously with what is now enable backup was uh, was logic now backup and was I asked so before that out of the Netherlands, you know, so that was an acquisition of an acquisition of an acquisition. And, you know, obviously that product kind of came to the top, but when it came to N central and RMM, uh, those two products, because they work very differently, they just, they appeal to two different ends of the market. And so it was very logical to keep both of those and market them specifically to the two different sides of the market. So let me ask these questions. Cause like, these are the things that keep on coming up, right? Um, how did they handle, you know, customers that were already on those products when they merged, right? Were they forced into, 
Uh, did they were their terms grandfathered? Were they were they able to keep, you know, paying whatever they were paying? Did their pricing change? Like, how did all of that get handled, or was it product by product? Dif- were there differences? It, it was a little bit different from product to product, but overall, it was a um, kind of a long transition. So people were allowed to move slowly; they didn't have to move right away. And so, in terms of transition, I think it was as painless as possible. Obviously there will be people who disagree, but you know, I think in general, they made it um, relatively painless. Whenever you have something like this, whenever you take something away and replace it with something else, uh, there's work to do. Uh, Whenever you have a transaction like this, there are going to be price changes for the most part. And, you know, sometimes they go up, sometimes they go down. Most of the time they go up. Um, but that's the trend in general, right? We're seeing just because of inflation, prices are going up on just about everything right now. Um, I'm booking airline tickets today and they are ridiculously expensive right now. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah it's, it's almost like the mask tax, right? They took the mask away. They added more money. Uh, yeah, yeah. But is there a legitimate reason for this price increase? I don't see any legitimate reason. I see an awful lot of people who appear to be clamoring to go through and to get their free spiff out there. Ever since the government started handing money out here, everybody thinks that they need a lot more entitlements. That's something that I'm particularly frustrated with. Uh, in, in regards to the airline price t- tickets going up? In, in any of the, the, the any of the pricing increases, for heaven's sakes, here we're paying six dollars a gallon for gasoline here in California. In the county where I live in, the houses just went to 1.3 million is the average price of a house here in Orange County, California. Wow. I, you know, I, I, I see now that Starbucks has decided that they need to unionize because golly gee, that introductory job here is just not paying enough. Uh, but hey, for all the pricing increases, is it legitimate? Is it reasonable? Probably a lot of it's not legitimate. But hey, Elon Musk just bought Twitter for forty-four billion dollars. I mean, that's that's a nice, you know, nice transaction there. I mean, yeah, but he could afford it. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get in. We'll get in. Well, it's funny, you know, as I continue to pick Eric's brain. You know, I was read. Yeah, I read a lot of news, and my feed. I have like a couple of uh, apps that like kind of condense a lot of things in the feeds for me. And I saw one of the articles about Elon and Twitter. And like, you start to hear these users saying, hey, I may go on Twitter, I may go off Twitter. And it's like, uh, and then I may I may just wait and see. And I'm like, man, this sounds exactly like the Caseo transaction, right? Some people are gonna leave, some people are gonna say, some people are gonna wait and see. And it's like, uh, it's, it's like the whole story Xerox, but just in a larger sense. Yeah. So, so, so let me ask you this, Eric. I mean, for the products that were so similar that they had to collapse one and decide which one lived or died, how did they transition? Like for the people that did make it through a transition rather than leaving, how did that process go? So the main one was was from Service Desk to, and I wish I could remember the, the name of the product. It's just been too long now. Um, you know, they, they gave them, I think it was a year and a half almost to transition. They created a migration path for them to be able to do that uh, so that they weren't, you know, retyping data and things like that. So they, they made it as easy as possible. It's never going to be perfect, uh, but they really did put a lot of effort and time into 
you know, trying to make it as seamless as possible. Sure. And like, how did they handle pricing? How did they handle terms? Like, did they just say, hey, you're going to come over. It'll be exactly the same. You're good to go. Or I'm sure there that that didn't exactly happen that way. Yeah, the pricing was very similar. So that wasn't too much of an issue. Um, there was some, you know, there was a little bit of a difference and there was some, you know, but those are all worked out on a deal by deal basis. Okay. So <clears throat> right now, uh, and listen, I get people, you know, send me messages all day long right now, as of yesterday, the, the conversation from the inside people at Datto to the existing Datto bases, we don't think there's going to be any major changes in the foreseeable future, but we just don't know. And that may be totally true, but it's very uneasy when you hear, I don't know. I mean, I assume, what was the, is that, it was that the same messaging when you were, when, when, you know, when you were going through it on the other side or it just seems like, I, I appreciate if that's the actual answer. We just don't know, but that doesn't necessarily, that's not the great answer. So for us, it was a little bit different, right? Because it was private company to private company. So there was no, you know, announcement ahead of time. I think what's happening right now with Datto and Kaseya, because it involves Datto being a public company, this transaction is not going to actually happen until probably Q4. Yeah. So they literally don't know right now because there's so much that they can't do yet until the transaction actually occurs. Yeah. So, so, that, so that is a legitimate answer, probably. Correct. Correct. Yeah. For now, that is a completely legitimate answer, in my opinion. Okay. So let's flip the script for a second. What does it feel like to be like the ambassador for company A going through all of this? And then like, yeah, like people always ask like, what does Rob Ray feel like right now? Right. What does that team feel like right now when they're like, they really can't even say anything. That's pretty much how it feels is you can't say anything uh, because, you know, obviously there are rules around it. There are all kinds of things. I think, you know, like I said, there's so much that they don't know. It's almost a little bit easier right now because there's literally nothing to say because mm -hmm. they don't know how this is all going to to fall out. And so I think it's it's difficult, right? Because you don't know uh, what is is going to happen. And there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of what ifs. And and I think we just need to wait and see at this point to see how, how this starts to work out. As we get closer, as the transaction actually closes, we're gonna know more. Yeah, so Brian uh, types in here, Kaseya has Unitrans, which is a competing product, right? To data, depends how well it is going for Kaseya. <laughs> I mean, that's a, I guess that's a true statement, right? I mean, I can't imagine they're just gonna collapse one, you know, I, they bought data, right? I think data backup is probably not going anywhere. But for the people who are, who are, are using Unitrends, I, I can't imagine that's going to go away. And if it does, not overnight. Well, you know, here's the thing to look at first. Um, there is a reason why MSPs have chosen Unitrends over Datto. And, and I have a hard time believing that it's just because they are complete Kaseya fans. I mean, there, there are those and, and, you know, completely legit. If you like Kaseya, not a problem. but if you looked at it analytically, there was a reason you chose Unitrends over Datto, and those reasons haven't changed. Just like there are MSPs 
who chose Datto over Unitrends for specific reasons. Um, you know, the clients are different, the environments are different, so different tools for different jobs. So Walter, uh, who's a fr- who've been on the been coming to these shows for a long time, thanks for continuing to chime in here, Walter. He says Datto has <clears throat> a larger line card on hardware. For a second, I was like, is that true? No, hardware, yes, probably right. So they are buying more than just a backup solution. There's switches, there's wireless, there's routers. I mean, obviously they have other software solutions as well. I mean, for, you know, I hope some people hope that the data networking line kind of resurrects itself because right now it seems like it's impossible to get anything uh, from data networking. Like they've, you know, like other than the one newest wireless solution for the APC, you know, wireless six, Wi-Fi six, you can't get the switches. You can't, you know, you can't get the, you know, the other things. They they did shut down the, the, the power, you know, solution. I don't know how many people were buying it. It's probably why they shut it down, but you know, I hope that they resurrect the networking line because right now it seems like it's nowhere. Yeah, I never really, you know, messed with the the hardware side of Datto very much, but um, but a lot of people who did use it seem to like it a lot. So uh, maybe they're just suffering the supply chain issues that that everybody else is. Yeah. Well, from, I mean, from an MSP standpoint, here I like the hardware side of things. If I went in and I agreed to pay the monthly fee for the thing for three years, I got the hardware for free. Yeah. <clears throat> I I got I got Darren, who's uh, probably our most vocal person on the topic, uh, chiming in. He said, uh, on a plane, but feel free to pass on my thoughts. Good history lesson regarding all of those companies, but all bets are off uh, with what we know about Kaseya and how they've operated in the past. Uh, on how this will be handled. Whatever product is cheaper to deliver will probably survive, in my opinion. And I'm sure Kaseya does know what's going to happen. Well, knowing and saying are, are two different things, Darren. You're, you know, to appreciate your your points here, um, but they probably are going to have to wait until this thing is all wrapped up before they can come out and say, "Here's the game plan." Well, okay. So, on one hand, he's not wrong because Kaseya knows what they want to do. Mm-hmm. They would not go into this not knowing what they want out of it. Mm-hmm. 6.2 billion? I sure hope so. Right. But they can't actually start taking actions on it until the transaction closes. Sure. Well, um, Precor comes in and says, they're going to sell off Unitrends, in my opinion. What happens if they do that? What happens if they sell these parts off before they even finish the deal? I mean, that would tell you. Well, you know, that's interesting. That that would be an interesting situation. Yeah. I, I would think they would probably wait until afterwards. But usually when consolidations happen, and I've said this for many times now, uh, even on these sessions, Eric, and, you know, please counter me if you don't think I'm right. You know, if you look at Autotask and Datto, if you look at Continuum and ConnectWise, if you look at any of the Kaseya acquisitions, uh, if you look at, back to your point, you know, your experience on the, you know, solar winds and then enable and whatever. Um, it's like an 18 to 24 month swing, right? I mean, it just, it takes that long to figure out what do I have? Who do I have? And what do I want to do? Right. It just, it, it doesn't happen that quickly. Right. And, and nobody wants to lose partners, right? So they may not do the right thing in your eyes, but they are really trying to make sure that they retain as many partners as possible because that's where their success comes from. Yeah. 
it's it's interesting because because these are multi-product companies, right? We talked about networking. They're still, uh, I mean, from a data side, right? So you have data BDR, data SaaS backup, data networking. You have BitDam, which was their, you know, email, you know, security solution that competes with other products. And then you have their, you know, they bought this company that, um, you know, handles kind of EDR, MDR, SOC, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of pieces there, right? And, you know, of course, there's still Autotask and there's still the RMM solution. And so a lot of people are like looking now and they're saying, do I even need this RMM solution? Can I just go straight Microsoft? Can I go just straight Apple and then not have to worry about some of these bits and pieces? And like, sure, I think a lot of people are thinking about the customer facing services right now, Eric. And then like secondarily, they're talking about what they're doing internally. Yeah. So, I mean, you throw an interesting dynamic in there uh, because we are seeing Microsoft and, and Apple start to come into the management side of things, right? Into a lot of the things that we use traditional RMM tools for. So that's just going to be an interesting market uh, for the next couple of years as those two behemoths, you know, kind of start to, to evolve their products and, and really start to compete with the functionality of RMM. Yeah, I think, I think RMM is going to go through an interesting, like the next... 24 to 36 months, the idea of an RMM may be completely different than what it is right now. Um, so a couple, couple of chats in here. If I remember right, uh, if I rem this is Brian. If I remember right, Datto uses products that are readily available as licenses in some cases, right? I think they've changed a lot. Like a lot of the pieces that were underneath the hood, they've since built their versioning of them, uh, Brian. But you, to your point, for the last many years, some of their licensing has been off, you know, publicly available stuff that they kind of packaged in. They said they might decide to replace it in their stack with Unitrends components, make money on both sides. Well, to that point, Brian, I mean, if they own something, they'd rather use that than if they have to license something from somebody else, right? I mean, there's, there's certain things, right? Like, for example, I think every RMM player has some sort of antivirus, anti-malware, endpoint software, security software that is either uh, skewed underneath of the platform or rebranded or white labeled, or maybe it's just resold. There's something there. I mean, if they own it, I would see, I, obviously they would benefit to use their own licensing, uh, their own software than to, to borrow from somebody else. Uh, to your, I'm sure you're going to say not, not all things are created equal, hundred percent. Right. You know, this is this coming back to the strategy of, Hey, if I'm Kasey, and I, I've said this a couple of times, I'll say it again. You don't need to go out into the marketplace. I have it all. You buy the whole stack and then you just decide what you want to use versus, Hey, I'm going to go pick the products that I think are the best in each category. And I'm going to spend the time as an MSP to figure out how to integrate those in with my stack. Right. It's competing theories for the same line items. Um, obviously, you can say I would love you to buy everything from them. I'm sure that's the model. Um, but here you go. Coming to Gavin's point, they're great at keeping partners when they say, your contract is ending. We are going to force you into a three-year renewal. Don't mind, if you, uh, don't mind if the reminder email is confusing or didn't even get to you, right? Made it went into your junk folder and then all of a sudden... Uh, you're in and you just didn't even know, right? Yeah. I think to that point, uh, Gavin, and I've heard I've heard some of the Kaseya people come out and say, hey, they need to do better jobs, uh, you know, training their salespeople on how to explain these terms. But 
I don't disagree with your point, Gavin. I think, you know, like if it's, hey, we've changed our terms. And if you pay your next bill, you've now logged in. You've now in this three-year contract, you didn't realize was happening. Um, I don't think that's the right way. I would think most people would say that's probably not the preferred path. I hope they don't do that. And, you know, since they have done that in the past. And I think that is the scary thought, um, Eric and Christina, right? Everybody thinks, well, I'm just going to go with the story I know versus a story I don't. If they've done this before, could they do it again? And should I be looking for something now? Because I'm not going to have enough time if I wait. If they come out with this as the, the reality, I, it's just too much to do in a short period of time. What's your opinion? <laughs> that was an awful lot, George. It's, yes. not, it's, not, <laughs> it's not that much. I mean, listen, it's simple as this. If the if the terms change on the date of the transaction to if you continue with us, here are the new terms in which you proceed forward and you don't agree, you really only have two options. No, I don't want to move forward or yes, I do. The problem is, depending on what you have with them, let's say you had, I'll even be conservative, uh, 40 to 50 customers with Datto BDRs out there. Okay, that's not unreasonable. That's that's a that's a realistic number for a lot of people, right? Could you replace those in 30 days if you did not want to move forward? Hypothetical. I'm not even saying that's what you should do. I'm just saying hypothetical. If that's what somebody wanted to do, that's a lot of truck rolls in a short period of time to keep your customer rolling, right? It absolutely is. So there are logistical, you know, things there. I think that Again, I think that they're in their self-interest, they are hopefully motivated to do what's best for the partner. And, and I think this, come, this, this brings up a larger point, right? Because I think everybody can agree that there is a big culture difference between Kaseya and Datto. And so I think there's a, a really big question hanging out there of which culture is going to be the prevailing culture once the merger takes place? I mean, depends who stays, right? I mean, because, yeah. you know, we've already seen, <coughs> Gavin says his money's on Kaseya. We've already seen people leave, right? A lot of people going into and going out of things, right? They're like, hey, I, I've, I've reached my mission, right? Like I, I did what I came here to do. <clears throat> now they want to go on to a new challenge. Some people say, hey, I like it here. I want to keep on riding with this, you know, because this is where I started. And, you know, I, I really love the solution or the product, whatever. Right. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think a lot of that comes down to people. Right. And who stays the, the absorber, I feel, is the one that usually prevails. Right. Because it's like we're bringing you into our culture and now you kind of have to adapt because I. I've seen that a lot. When I worked at IBM, I was part of the marketing acquisition team. Um, acquisition meaning helping the, the people that we acquired integrate into IBM. And it was always a very, very frustrating job on the part of having to keep everybody happy and telling them, hey, you know, you have a certain amount of time to find another job or another role. Um, it, it, was always, it was always messy and obviously as you probably all know, since IBM is a big giant, the IBM way was the only way. So I kind of see Kaseya in that same, the same light, just because they're big and kind of very corporate-like too. 
Yeah, you're probably right. I, I, I'm taking a snippet out of an article here, one of the ones I showed earlier, said, <clears throat> this is Fred, it is much more profitable for our customers, our MSP partners, constituents, I don't know why constituents made sense there, to buy products from Kaseya that are 30, 50, or 60% less expensive on a three-year commitment when that price will not go up than to buy a competitor's product that is 30, 40, or 50% more expensive and rising 10 to 20% a year. So I guess his opinion is, hey, I'm going to give it to you for a less expensive price if you commit to a longer term. That's not unusual for SaaS land. It's, but the, there has to be a choice, right? If I want to continue on those, on those new terms or not, right? I think that's the big, the big gripe, if you would. Um, you know, George, I've, I've been thinking a lot about that particular pricing thing. And I was listening to a lot of people who are griping about, oh, you know, I, I, I've got, I, I bought product A, product A didn't turn out to be something that worked in, in into the, what it is that I was trying to accomplish on the thing, you know, and, and now that Kaseya has got so many different products under their belt, I was wondering, you know, okay, so how about if we go through and I say, I will commit to a $1,000 a month $500, whatever it happens to be, spend with you and let me select from the product groups. So I, I, I have a little bit of freedom to say, hey, you know what? I really thought that, that product A was going to do what I needed it to do. It didn't work out for me. However, I was also thinking about product D that you have here and, and, and possibly incorporating that. If they gave you the flexibility of, of, of jumping in between the different products, as long as I maintained um, my agreed upon spend with them, I mean, ultimately, is, isn't that what it comes down to? Is how much re revenue I'm generating for the company? Do they really care whether I'm buying um, bottles of milk or, or packages of cookie? Yeah, I, Brent, you make a great point. And I've not been in that situation or known anyone who, I think there was one person in a, in a call or two ago that said, yeah, as long as their revenue didn't change, as long as Kaseya was still charging you the same or more, they were willing to move things around. Uh, I haven't seen that myself, but I, I haven't been in that situation. But if they do allow for that, then that's in their benefit. I think, you know, I th I'm sure the answer is, and I could be wrong, but I'm sure the answer is, well, as long as you're maintaining your spend or going up, they'll do probably whatever you want. It's when you're trying to go down uh, if from what your spend is, is probably where they're going to try and flex a little bit. Well, it, it's also to the time commitment in the thing here. Okay. You, you want to lock me into this three years. Okay. Well, at least if, okay, I'll agree to that. Um, but, you know, because I'm going to do this, give me a, you know, a little bit greater buying power for my dollar and give me the flexibility to, to go between um, different departments within the grocery store. Yeah. Instead of continuing to extend the new term every time you change something. I mean, it, it's kind of sounds like uh, Southwest and transparency. I, I love that, by the way. Uh, great marketing. Or like, it's like, hey, you know, like I want to move my flight to something else. And they're like, yeah, sure, move it. And like no change fees, no cancellation fees. You can just move around. I mean, if they adopt something like that, I'm sure that would help maybe make it feel a little bit better than probably what's happened in the past. Maybe, maybe somebody's listening out there and can put yeah, these. Yeah, again, the, the gripes that I heard was if I have a specific product that does not work out for me, I, here I am, and I am stuck with with 
Cheerios and my family just doesn't like Cheerios. So I got to sit there looking at the Cheerios every every morning, you know, when I go through and I, I, I serve breakfast here and I got to feel bad that I bought them and I'm going to watch them go moldy on the shelf. Fair, fair point. I mean, it, it's 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 let, worth let me getting trade my Cheerios in for honey bunches of oats. <laughs> I like honey bunches. It's a great cereal. Uh, yeah. Brian pops in and says, "Cause has 1,600 people in sales. Is that right? It may have 1,600 people across the entire company, Brian. Uh, Datto has 2,000, I believe. Something is going to give. Sales accounting, et cetera, will be paired out. Yeah, Brian, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure there's going to be, um, you know, like overlap in many areas. And and somebody's going to, you know, pay, something's going to have to be cleaned up. And, and we see this in all these. I mentioned them before, right? All these big companies that come together. You're right. Some people end up getting cut. Some people stay, some people move into different positions because they just don't fit in that role anymore based on the combined company. I still think that takes a, the larger part of 18 to 24 months. We saw a lot of that come out in the beginning of the pandemic, right? Where two, three, four, 500 people were getting cut uh, from certain companies and, you know, like just happened to be pandemic times, but it was planned actually. So, uh, or to my knowledge. So um, yeah, you're right. It's going to end up coming probably down to that way. Um, I, I would be very intrigued if they somehow kept their, their head count the same or more. Uh, I think there's going to have to be some overlap for sure. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure Eric can sure Eric went through that over at uh, what's now enable, right. As they well, brought these companies on. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting about that though, is you would think that there's a lot of redundancy in that. And, and, and there is some to be sure, but, you're talking also about, you know, let's just take finance, for example, or HR is another good example. You can't get, you can't just replace like Datto's accounting department with Kaseya's accounting department. They yeah. can't handle the same number of transactions because Kaseya is doing X number of transactions. Datto is doing Y number of transactions. You have to be able to handle X plus Y transactions. Um, or in the terms of HR, you have to be able to manage X plus Y employees. So there's not a complete, you know, replacement there. There's going to be some merging. There's going to be some retention, uh, but there is going to be a little bit of, of, you know, having to pare down and, and there's going to be some redundancy, but it's not complete redundancy. Yeah, no, I agree. <clears throat> I, I absolutely 100% agree. Um, you know, it's interesting as I'm reading through, through the, one of the two articles here. And he's like, uh, have you met with Rob Ray? <laughs> what was your message to them? He just yeah, says, so response was, I've known Rob for years, but I can't go and talk to data people and say, hey, this is what's going to happen because it would be illegal. Um, this is going to sound mean, but I didn't talk to Rob at Robin's event the other day either, other than shaking his hand. I literally cannot talk to him for legal reason, reasons. That being said, I think Rob is one of the most instrumental people at, you know, in the building at Datto. Um, and then he goes on. So, you know, listen, that's, that's a good, you know, it's, it's the P it's what you would expect him to say. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's going to come down to what people stay. I really do. And he, he did come back and said, <laughs> you know, I can't talk about month to month or one year agreements. All I know is every Kaseya uh, product has a one, two and three year option. Okay. All right. There it is. Um, yeah, I just you think you're going to get little bits and pieces. You're never going to get the full answer. Somebody who somebody has their hand raised on a on a phone call, 516 number. Um, you should be able to unmute if you want to chime in. If you if you intended to raise your hands, feel free. Um, 
so I'm going to move off to another one, right? So like, this is another guy in, in MSP land, right? That yeah, as there continues to be things and acquisitions and announcements. Uh, oh, that was, that was Darren. He just sent me, he just sent me a quick message here. Uh, actually, he, here's his new message. Uh, P.S. I tried product switching with a current product, Network Glue. It was not, it was not possible to change. They made it clear the contract that you signed is only for a specific product. Um, so he said they wouldn't let him change. Um, so that's one guy's experience. So they're that, you know, hopefully, you know, they're listening here, Brent, because I think transparency is a great way <clears throat> to do it, but it's really up to them. So ConnectWise, who is clearly positioning themselves to be a cybersecurity company, um, has, has now launched their own incident response solution service subscription. <clears throat> they're the, they're the next, they're the other man out, right. In the overall architecture now of the channel, right. You got Kaseya data and you got enable still out there and ConnectWise, Right. So, and of course, there's a lot of other companies underneath, but those are the big ones. So would you consider using a service like this? <clears throat> Partners can buy incident response help ad hoc, incident specific basis, or subscribe to a retainer service purchased in 20 hour blocks for $300 per hour. Key difference of the two options is user with a retainer goes through an incident readiness onboarding process that shortens the response time by familiarizing ConnectWise with the environment they're protecting. Thoughts? We yeah, we keep on hearing about people being afraid of putting too many eggs in one basket. Um, security is a big one. Um, would you rather have an outside company who just does security, or would you be willing to work with a company that you may already be doing business with, who's adding this this new product? Yeah, so this is Brian. I'll, I'll make a quick comment here. So we use ConnectWise for ticketing and so forth, you know, for our support teams and so on. Um, but we've got a fairly substantial security practice. We're a big data, um, you know, reseller as well. But to, to us, at least, this is kind of table stakes. This is pretty important. We sell ERP, uh, ERP solution, and keeping that up and running is, is critical. Um, at least, I guess from our company standpoint, we probably wouldn't feel really comfortable outsourcing the security element, um, you know, for a number of reasons. ConnectWise is a great company. We've enjoyed working with them, but I just don't think that we'd be on board with, uh, with doing that. Okay. Walter chimes in and says, this is why I joined a security co-op. Walter, what's a security co-op? Would you mind sharing exactly what that means? Now, is Walter still on? Oh. oh, here we go. He says, where I own part of the company. Ah, I see. <laughs> so let's say a bunch of MSPs came together. They started a new entity. Everybody fronted a piece. You get a percentage of equity in the company as an owner. And now you've started a security firm. Uh, he says, Data Guard 365 Co-op. Okay. That's interesting. I. Why not? That's an interesting approach. See, Brian's company started on their own because maybe they had the resources to do it. Maybe Walter's like, I don't have all the resources to do it, but I can kick in and we can start something new. Entrepreneurship at its best. What do you think, guys? 
So I think this is, I mean, for ConnectWise, I think it's a an early entry into something that's going to be an opportunity uh, that's that's still evolving. But I think that, you know, what we're seeing here is, you know, Brian has already, you know, he's doing it himself, which is great. You know, we have some MSPs who have transitioned more into the security space, have become capable MSSPs, right? Um, we have MSPs who are outsourcing uh, this type of work, you know, their SOC work, that type of thing uh, to other organizations. You know, there's plenty of them out there. And I think that this is, you know, based on things that are happening out there, you know, we, we have more incidents than ever. Uh, we have the new legislation about reporting requirements, uh, you know, things like that are going to make this more and more important over the next couple of years. And I think people are going to find different solutions for it that work for them. And I think there's going to be a lot of smaller MSPs who $6,000 is not the end of the world, right? 20 hours times $300 an hour. You know, it's not the end of the world. Um, it's, it's not unaffordable. And it will give them the facilities if they were to need it uh, in order to, to handle an incident like that. I also think that ConnectWise being connected to the environments of those MSPs have an advantage because they do have, you know, if they're using ConnectWise Manage and, and all of the different tools for both, you know, the help desk and for remote monitoring and management, you know, they already have tools, you know, in place that they can use as part of that incident response. Fair. I mean, listen, nobody's going to argue the fact that if you already know what you're walking into, you're going to be able to <clears throat> remediate things faster, right? I mean, right. it's almost like the home turf conversation, right? You're always going to have the advantage when they're coming to your stadium rather than you're going to theirs, right? Um, so, yeah, I get it. I mean, the reality is, is that, you know, there's a lot of players out there doing this. And, you know, while ConnectWise seems to be continuing to go down that security route as a company, um, you know, Brian already said, hey, we wouldn't feel comfortable having all of our eggs in one basket. They're good at what they do, but not, not necessarily here. Okay, fair enough. I mean, everybody's going to have to prove their worth and everybody's going to have to make that call. But uh, definitely a new, a new direction. Here's another well, one out there. I agree there. with Brian on that, you know, as well. You know, all the eggs in one basket. Um, you know, Spog was a huge thing, right? Single pane of glass. Yeah. I never still, believed still in is. single pane of glass. Still is marketed. I know, still. I know. But but to me, you know, the best solution for your clients is the best solution for your clients, not whatever the best solution for your vendor is. Yeah. And so this for me, true. best of breed has always been the right answer. This is true. This is true. Um, moving on, right, to another, I guess, maybe smaller acquisition out there. So Sophos, the multi-product security vendor, since we're on security, <clears throat> bought an alert vendor, SOC.OS. Um, so basically, this is an, a service they're going to tuck in to basically, you know, pull in all these third-party product integrations to you know, basically help them tie some of their stuff together and give better visibility. So not a huge transaction, but uh, a, a transaction nonetheless, as we continue to see these happen in, um, in MSP land. It's, it's interesting, you know, like people don't think of alerting as a very, you know, like, and there's products out there like, uh, 
um, alert ops. And there's, there's like a hundred different ones, I guess, but you know, bottom line is, you know, a lot of people just have this stuff come in as tickets into their system, right? The question is, do you have somebody sitting in front of a screen 24 hours a day, actually going through the, these things and to figure out the severity, right? I mean, there's where a little bit of a, you know, intelligence comes in, right? To be able to figure out where do you spend your time? Because I can imagine as somebody, maybe Brian, your company does this a little bit more than anybody else with the volume. I mean, I remember in the beginning days of RMM, right? You switch, you flip the switch on and like 10,000 tickets created in the first 24 hours. And you're like, oh, like yeah, that I was brutal. <laughs> I, can, I can only imagine the security alerts are just as bad, maybe even worse. Yeah. So, you know, I find this one really interesting. Um, you know, we're a, we're a Sophos uh, user as well, and we use IntercepTX and some other uh, tools that they've got there, and they do a really good job. Um, you know, I think that this one has applicability because we can't always have the manpower to be everywhere 24-7. We're just not set up to do that. You know, during the normal business hours, et cetera, sure. Um, so, if we could maybe do a hybrid with this solution, that might be something of interest, right? Where they can handle, you know, weekends. And uh, we do a lot of our upgrades and implementations on the ERP on the weekend. So our team's pretty, pretty booked up doing that kind of stuff. So if they could handle the, you know, the, 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 the nighttime and the, uh, the weekend time, that might be something of interest to do something along those lines. They obviously know security extremely well. They've been in that space for a long time. Interesting, Brian, right? Your comment on ConnectWise was, eh, I'm not so sure that's a good move. But your comment on Sophos was, this is what they do. And I'm more interested in, in what they're doing here. And I think some of that maybe is just in the vertical, you know, the vertical focus, right? You know, like ConnectWise is a little bit more broad, right? I'm, I don't know yes. if Walmart's the right thing, but like Sophos is like, nope, I'm like Chick-fil-A. I do chicken. I don't do burgers. I don't do hot dogs. I just do chicken. If you want chicken, come to me. Yeah, George, there's a, a bigger comfort level there without a doubt because they, they know this really well. Yeah, fair, fair. I'm sure Darren's over there saying, chicken? Yeah, where's my Chick-fil-A stop today? We may, yeah, <laughs> me and him just yeah, compete on those Chick-fil-A points. Um, last one I wanted to mention, and it lines up perfectly because we're coming you know, towards the, the, the stretch here. But um, so the Verizon CEO, I don't even know if we remember who this guy's, yeah, the name of this guy, but he says, Private 5G, mobile edge computing for business will pay off big time. I'm like, private 5G, what in what in the heck is that, right? And um, network as a service uh, on the 5G network. Um, and apparently, you know, like basically creating what seems to be like their own 5G version of what used to be MPLS, right, um, on their network. Um, so they're saying this is going to pay off in the you know, big time over the next five to 10 years. Uh, listen, if the technology's there, guys, I'd love to see it. But I mean, if the, if the, if the wireless network is that stable to handle this, you know, becoming the primary connectivity option for businesses, I'd love to see it, but no offense. Uh, I, I, I think I would still have more faith in the wire, uh, fiber, copper or whatever, probably more fiber, but um, it's kind of like, you know, Hey, uh, I'd rather have the, the gas line come to my house than the oil guy coming to refill me up. Right. So I, I don't know. Do, do you guys really feel like you would recommend 
5G as the primary internet link for your customer in the next five years? For me, I don't think I would for, for all the reasons that you just talked about. However, there's an interesting twist on this, and that is it's private 5G. So are we talking about something where I have the same security level as, say, a VPN over a 5G network without having to establish a VPN over that 5G network? That's what it sounds like, yeah. That sounds like a little more seamless to me and a little easier to support and a little added security rather than just using my phone as a hotspot. Yeah, oh, for sure. I agree with all your points. The question is, is it robust enough to say, oh, this is my primary link to the world? I, 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 I would say right now, I don't believe that to be the case, but obviously the Verizon CEO has a lot more knowledge on this than I do. You know, George, I was just recently at a plumber's who um, they moved from one location to another location and we were wiring their office up and you know, I, they, they guy hands me, you know, they, they go through and they mail the router to the location and, and stuff like that. So I go through and I get all this stuff set up, you know, and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for them to go through and to put in the line to run over to the router, you know, and the owner calls up and says, Hey, Brent, you know, you need to finish up your stuff. You know, they got the thing running in here. I go over there. Look, there's no wire over there. They're running the router over the cellular. This is from spectrum. Okay. And there is no freaking wire that they've, they've got to have some kind of a pole and in, in, in some kind of very close proximity or, or something like that to this. But I, I was blown away. They are, this is what they are offering to customers out there. I, I, that's the first time I had seen that, you know, and, and I sat there and I, I mean, argued with the guy. Look, I got to tell you, man, there is no way they have to run a wire, you know, and the guy's saying, dude, freaking look at my browser here. I'm, I'm getting web pages, you know, and I was like, Okay, I better start looking at this a little bit better. I, I was kind of embarrassed. I, I just always was under the impression that the cell phone towers just do not have enough bandwidth for every single subscriber to be on simultaneously. <clears throat> so, like, when I'm using this as my primary business internet connection, that makes me uneasy, right? Um, I mean, listen, we've all had customers go to and buy something or were sold something, and then we walked in the door and say, what's that? Um, that this is another scenario where, you know, I'd be like, Hey man, just to make sure we have it on the record so that you heard it from me and I'll send you an email or whatever you want. Uh, so that like, we can go back to this later on, but like, this is not the good idea for you. Yeah. I'd be interested in knowing what the, what the quality of that connection is. I mean, there's so many variables, right? When I went through and I did a speed check on there and they were getting a 10 by 10 connection. Yeah. You know, this is for a little three-man shop, you know, where typically only one person is going to be on it at the time, you know, and they're running their phones through that too, though. No, I, I don't. I, I imagine how many service requests you're going to get on this. I, I can't imagine. I would get zero because they're buying it from Spectrum. <laughs> well, hopefully they don't have a managed services agreement with you, my friend, because you know that that call is coming if they do. Um. Well, we're in the last five minutes. Eric and Christina, do you just want to do a quick, uh, you know, quick idea on what Ignite can help the community with? Well, so uh, Ignite is every, I don't know if everybody knows, because hopefully, you know, a lot of them have heard me talk about it before, 
but you know, it's a cloud file sharing solution that works like an on-premise server. So it gives everybody their map drive letter back, the NTFS style permissions. And then we have a lot of features functionality that we can add on top of that for data compliance, data governance, all of those types of things. So if you're interested in those types of things and are looking for a solution to replace the, the siloed data you know, that you are, are dealing with when you're using Dropbox, Box, things like that, um, we have an MSP Summit coming up and I'm going to segue to Christina to talk about our MSP Summit that's coming up very soon. Yeah, it's um, coming up on May 12th. So what is it like a couple weeks now, not even. Um, and we have a nice lineup this year. We do it annually. It's virtual. Um, maybe someday it'll go in person, but right now it's just virtual. And we have a bunch of different sessions, some of them um, with Ignite SMEs, some of them with Ignite partners that are, you know, industry, leading the industry in some areas. Um, so we have CompTIA coming in to have a security session. Um, we have Tiffany Bova, if you don't know her, she's a growth evangelist for Salesforce and she's gonna be our lunch keynote and she'll be talking about business growth and customer experience and how to differentiate your business to kind of keep growing um, and being different from everybody else. Um, she's really neat and we, are, we got her books. Um, so anybody that attends that session will be getting her, her book on Growth IQ, um, which is really neat. And um, yeah, there's a lot of sessions. So I'm going to drop the link into the chat for everybody. Um, the agenda is live already, obviously, and you can sign up. If you're in the US, like most of us on the phone, I suppose we are in the US, we're also doing a happy hour. Um, and we have three breakout rooms. So depending on the kind of alcohol you like, you know, like if you rather do bourbon, you get to go to Eric's room. If you like margaritas, you come to my breakout room. There's another one that's wine and non-alcoholic if you don't drink. Um, so yeah, so we have a lot of fun stuff going on and I have someone on my team, Lucy, she's gonna be running with me some fun prizes that you win at the break time. So there's a lot going on. Um, I'm excited about it. So please check it out. If you haven't heard of it, um, take a look at the agenda and the speakers and sign up. It's a free event. So dedicated to our MSPs. Awesome. Sounds fun. May 12th is my birthday. So maybe that's a extra, extra surprise for me. Come join me um, for some bourbon, George. Exactly. Bourbon sounds fantastic. And Chris, Christina, <laughs> if I could ask a quick question, would Ignite be an excellent replacement? Should the data workplace be one of the things that gets axed in, in this Kaseya transition? Sure. I'm not sure about that. That's yes. a question for Eric. <laughs> so absolutely. Absolutely it would. Um, and in my opinion, because it replaces the on-premise server um, more identically, uh, than Data Workplace does. I think it's a, a great solution, especially when uh, you're moving somebody that's used to using an on-premise file server, uh, because it basically, it works on Monday after you've migrated them, just like it did on Friday before they left. Interesting. There you go. Look into it, if that's something that you're interested in. Oh, well, yeah, so yeah. Eric, you can find Eric and Christina pretty easily online too. LinkedIn, Facebook, um, probably LinkedIn. Shows. We'll be in <laughs> Chicago next week. There you go. If anyone's going to be in Chicago for, what is it, Channel Pro? Channel, Channel Pro. Pro. Okay, next week. Um, 
Or like I said, every, every social media platform that's probably in front of you, you'll find them. Except um, TikTok. Remember, I don't do TikTok. Nobody, nobody yes. uses TikTok. Nobody uses TikTok. Uh, well, guys, we're going to continue to you know talk about current events as we progress through uh, you know, 2022, I'm sure more interesting things will come about. Uh, make sure to follow up on mspinitiative.com. Remember, this session will be under sessions, and we keep on doing these uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 1 o'clock Eastern time, and we'll continue to do that as we uh, progress through the year. And I'm sure we'll see Eric and Christina soon. Check out that MSP Summit on May 12th. Thanks, Thanks everyone. George. Thank, Thank you. you.